Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome to this hour of the program, our continuing coverage of Arena Geddon 2017. And we're now into the uh, civic election campaign, so it adds an additional twist to all of this. It was a week ago today that Nahed uh, Nenshi dropped that campaign video. And that kind of sparked this, this whole crisis. Uh, in that video, Nenshi outlined his vision for uh, a new district in Victoria Park, kind of an entertainment district. That would be, at least theoretically, anchored around an arena. And then she suggested it didn't necessarily need an arena, but it certainly seems contingent on one. Uh, Following that, the Flames felt compelled to let everybody know that, oh, by the way, we've walked away from talks with the city. And we've given up on trying to negotiate a new arena. Uh, That led to the city publicly releasing its offer that was at least tabled for the Flames. Uh, We're going to learn, I I guess, tomorrow, I think, uh, the exact details of what it was the Flames were looking for. Although we have some general idea of that. I don't think the talks are dead. I mean, we'll see how the election shakes out and how the new mayor and city council feel about things. And and maybe that's where things will pick up. Now, look, personally, I mean, I'm I'm skeptical of the the idea of having governments foot the bill uh, to build facilities for pro sports franchises. But there are other issues, I suppose, that come up. I mean, there are the intangibles, right? Having the Calgary Flames, I think, matters to people. Now, you could take Winnipeg as an example. And I suppose you could crunch the numbers and you could say that maybe Winnipeg didn't necessarily suffer financially from not having the Jets. I think if you ask people in Winnipeg, they would rather have the Jets than not have the Jets. So there's something to be said for that. right? And maybe that does give a, a team some leverage in negotiating with the city. It's the other side of it, too, because even in the mayor's video, he talked about this idea. We're seeing it up in Edmonton. We're seeing it in Detroit. The, the idea of we're not just building an arena for the team to play hockey in or basketball or building a stadium for the team to play football or basketball in, as we see in other cities. It's part of a district. It's part of an overall approach to finding an area we believe needs to be rejuvenated. The team gets something out of it. The city gets something out of it. Can that work? And can that partnership work? Well, joining us for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome the program, Dan Mason, Professor of Sports Management at the University of Alberta. Dan, thanks for making some time for us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Look, obviously you pay close attention to the uh, very long debate in Edmonton, became acrimonious certainly at times. Does it seem like Calgary's kind of going through the same stages here? Yeah, I think so, although the circumstances are always unique to the specific city. So I think that some of the reasons why the city of Edmonton wanted to pursue an opportunity to build an arena in partnership with the Oilers Entertainment Group is different than what Calgary needs. So I think uh, they're all unique and different, and I think it's hard to compare one to the other. And I think that's what makes it difficult in Calgary, because the Flames are looking up to Edmonton and seeing what's going on there and maybe having expectations that are similar in terms of the contributions that the public's making. 
What, what stand out to you as, as differences between you know the the situation here and the situation in Edmonton? Well, I think the the biggest issue for Edmonton over the past thirty years or so, at least since the West Edmonton Mall had been built, was this notion that a lot of economic activity had been sucked out of the downtown core, and so most cities of a certain size have a certain number of people that live downtown and and work downtown, and that's generally seen as good for for cities. You have. Uh, Less tax, uh, ta- taxing. It's less taxing on uh, infra- infrastructure, transportation, that kind of thing, because you have a lot of people living downtown, maybe walking to work, uh, going and, and shopping, and doing all those kinds of things, and so it creates that density there. And Edmonton didn't have that necessarily because. Um, of a number of different factors, um, but the arena itself was not in that downtown core, and so I think that there was a, a need to either renovate Rexall Place or to build a new arena. And in the case of Edmonton, building it in the downtown was in the interest of the city because they wanted to re, uh, remove that economic activity from where it was going on before to the downtown. So I think that you don't necessarily have that happening in Calgary because the location of the current facility and the fact that Calgary's downtown is generally considered much more vibrant to begin with. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we're talking about either the West Village or the East Village, uh, so kind of outside of the downtown core. So it's not about necessarily downtown rejuvenation, and right. we can't seem to agree on which area deserves that focus. Yeah, and from the city's, uh, a city's perspective, if you have a, a widely used venue, you have upwards of 2 million people that are going to be um, using the facility for different events over the course of a, of a year. And so the idea from the city's perspective is, is where do you want that activity happening? And so if you can control that, that's certainly in the interest of the city because you can then um, go and look to put it somewhere where it, uh, in an area of the city that seems to need it the most. Right, and that, that's an interesting point because you know, critics of the, the CRL approach, the tax increment financing, will say that, you know, you're just moving stuff around to office towers or condos that might exist elsewhere. You're concentrating them in one area. But maybe from a city's perspective, maybe that's okay. Maybe there's some, some value in saying, well, that's not such a bad thing if we can concentrate some of that in a particular area, especially if it's uh, the downtown. Yeah, and I think the most important thing to consider is that you can't, you can't look at this solely as an arena project. And so you have to look at it as a much broader strategic development. So, for example, um, in the long run, it's going to be the things that are going up around the arena at Edmonton that are going to be determining the success of the project. And so sometimes you need the arena as sort of a tipping point for development to occur. Um, I guess the analogy that you could have is that if you have a shopping mall, in a lot of cases, uh, the, the big store is sort of your lost leader, but it's the activity that occurs as a result of the other stores that go in and around it and the people that come and use it, that's going to be your benefit in the long run. Because we, we've, we're seeing more of this approach more recently, aren't we, with some, some new buildings that are opening. It's not just about the building anymore. It is about that, that broader district around it. Absolutely, and, and I think it's in the interest of both the city and the team to have the team have a stake in that broader development because uh, in the past you've seen new facilities get built where the team owner tries to capture all the revenues within the facility because that's where they make their money. Whereas if the team owner is the developer, then they're benefiting by having any kind of activity going down there. So, for example, if you have a district, it doesn't even matter if you go to the game or not. If you're going down there and going to restaurants or buying a condo there or any number of different things, then it aligns the incentives of the city and the team, the team being trying to generate revenues and money, and the city in terms of trying to have an economic activity occurring in a specific place in the city. So I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. It also buffers the, the team in the sense that um, if you're making money from this broader development, then you're not necessarily riding on the success of the team on any given year, for example. If the team's not doing well or the team's not drawing well, if the broader project is doing well, then it buffers that team owner. 
I think it was we, we saw with the old arena in Edmonton and in the current arena in Calgary, it's not a given. It's not an automatic that you build an arena and everything is, is going to spring up around it. So what, what's key to that approach so that it can be a win-win for a city and, and an organization? Well, I think the key is, is that there's, there's far more examples of where this has failed than where it's been successful. And so I think that the, the biggest issue that you can have is where you build the facility and assume that activity will occur around it. You can't, you can't do that. There has to be a much broader strategy about where you're putting it and what else is going to be going around it. And so I think that's why in Edmonton we can see that there's a number of projects that were all ready to go with the arena going up. They're, they're, they didn't build the arena and then wait for things to happen and decide to, to do things around it. There was a much more comprehensive strategy involved. So I think that there are a number of different things that you can do. I think Canadian cities are a little bit more hamstrung, but like, for example, in Columbus, Ohio, um, they wanted they had a lot of uh, uh, loss of, of the population of the downtown core, and so they wanted to get more people interested in moving back to the downtown. So what they did is they created some tax incentives for people who lived in the sort of suburban part of Columbus to move back to downtown. So what they did is they realized that, you know, building an arena was one thing, but they actually wanted to create that population density. So there were other things at play there that factored into the success of the project as a whole, not just the arena and the fact that there was a team there. I think that that's, um, you know, just one small part of that piece if you look at that development as a whole. So there was a much broader strategy that seems to have worked in that case. What does an arena bring to the table, though, uh, in terms of what it can add to, to this concept? If there's an area that, that a city believes, look, we want more people living in, we want more people working in, what does the arena add? Well, it's, a, it's an amenity. So it's, it's, it's one of a number of different things and uh, entertainment options that you can have. And so, like I said, if you have two million people that are going to be coming to that area, then you're going to have, hopefully, uh, create an environment where people will come down if there's places to shop and go for dinner and that kind of thing. Um, you're going to be coming down and, and staying for dinner, coming early, leaving a little bit later, spending money, um, and having all these things go on. Now, in, in the long run, it's ultimately going to be uh, the ultimate sign of success in these projects is where you have that increase in the population. So I think that one of the sort of signals that these things are working is when you see grocery stores going up. As soon as there's grocery stores going up in an urban area, you know that there's a, there's a population density there that's driving demand. And right. so that's sort of the ultimate signal that the things are working. So the arena is just one part of this. And so if we want to look at successful projects, um, it is where the arena has only been one small part of this. Right. And, you know, and I mean, office towers, certainly that's a focus in Edmonton. I mean, I, I guess you get a situation where you got people there nine to five, but then downtown is dead at night. So is it important then to have that mix where it's office towers, it's condos, it's hotels, it's restaurants, it's all of that? Yeah, well, I think it's it's in the interest of, of the city and it's in the interest of the people who live if they can walk to work and don't have to commute as far and that sort of thing. So if we look at a city like Edmonton, for example, it just keeps spreading outward and more and more outward. And that's that's expensive for the city of Edmonton because they have to expand their services out. So if you're looking at density... Uh, within a city, you, you, you're, you don't have the same infrastructure costs in terms of sewer power and all those kinds of things because those services are already there. Um, another advantage is if, if you do, and this isn't always the case, but if you do have an area that becomes more popular, you're going to see a, a slight rise in in, um, in property value. So uh, in theory, you could tap into that, the taxes, the increased taxes as a result of the increase in the value of the property around it without having to pay additionally for, to service that property. So does, does it change the nature of the debate? Does it become less about do we build an arena for this NHL team or is the, does it become more of a question of how best to partner with the NHL team? Yeah, I think, I think there's really no compelling argument to 
to fund to give public money for private enterprise if that's all this is that's going on. I think that if you work off the assumption that, and you mentioned this early in your intro, that that people are better off with a team in a city than not having a team, regardless of whether you're a fan or not. If you work off of that assumption, you can see that it, there there is some interest in the partnership happening. And I think that from the city's perspective, you want to minimize the amount that you contribute, and you want to have control over where this goes and the kind of development that goes around it. And from the team's perspective, you want to maximize your revenues. And I think, in, in my estimation, that's really where things are at right now, is that that gap is, is large right now in the city of Calgary. But I think that fundamentally, the city is working off of that position, and fundamentally, the team is working off that position. Right. I don't think there's any interest in, in the flame leaving on either side of the equation. It's just a matter of trying to figure out something that works for bo- best for both parties. Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, it does become a question of what they, they add, because I was reading about Kansas City recently as an example, and Kansas City built a, a downtown arena with, with similar aspirations to build a district around it, and they've had some success. The difference is Kansas City went out, they built the arena, they hired a company to operate it, and they get concerts and whatnot, but they don't have that added dimension of a pro sports franchise and one that's got some long historic roots in the city. For, for Edmonton and for Calgary, there's that additional emotional attachment that this is our team. This is still something that, that means something. There's, there's civic pride. There's all these intangibles that go with that. Yeah, and I think that's the other issue is that you have Edmonton and Calgary where uh, hockey is the alpha sport and it's the only sport. And so it's different from Kansas City, where they have other major league sports uh, franchises there. And so I think that, in that sense, it's kind of an interesting argument, because if you're on either side of the equation, it's almost like you're calling the bluff of the other party, because the Flames know that the Flames are important to Calgary, and Calgary knows that the Calgary market is incredibly valuable to the Flames. And so they each have to sort of leverage their, um, you know, to take the, the power that they have in the negotiation and play, you know, play those cards. And so it's hard because I think each side is difficult for them to play it because the other side knows that there's limitations yeah. to that. Well, there seems to always be a, some level of brinks, brinksmanship in these, these kinds of negotiations. But I don't know. I mean, is it your sense that, like we've seen elsewhere, that, that eventually uh, the sides will come to an agreement? Well, I, like I said, I think that the, the the Calgary market is much too valuable to the NHL and to an NHL franchise. So, you know, I, we're not privy to what's going on behind closed doors and and, and the, the kind of negotiations that have been going on and the, and the personalities involved in the room and that sort of thing. So I think that you can never say that, that, that a team won't ever move. But in cases where we've seen teams leave markets where they're incredibly valuable markets, there's a team ready to come back in right away. So I think in the, in the long run, the NHL needs that Calgary market. The Calgary market's too valuable. And so I think that that's, the, the city of Calgary knows that, and the citizens of Calgary know that. They love their team. You know, Many of them love their team. They don't want to lose their team, but they also recognize that there's a point at which they don't have to go there. They're not, there's not that risk that you might see in, other, in some other markets. Yeah, great points. Dan, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for the insights. Appreciate you making some time for us here. No problem at all. Take Take care. care. Dan Mason, uh, professor of sports management at the University of Alberta. So looking at the experience in Edmonton and elsewhere, I mean, Detroit's an example of where they're they're trying to build up a district near downtown. Columbus uh, attempted to do the same thing. Other cities, too. Uh, Nashville, even as an example. Kansas City. They don't have a team in their arena. uh, But they still saw some value in having an arena and having it in their downtown. So what does that mean for Calgary? And how should city council approach it? Is it just about, hey, we're going to help build an arena so the Flames have a new place to play and ways to make more money? Or is it we're going to partner with the Flames uh, because they need a new building 
But we also need this particular area to be developed. We need an arena as an anchor for some kind of a, a new district that, that we'd like to see in that area. Right. I mean, I think it does change the dynamic of the, the talk somewhat. Now, coming up on the program tomorrow, we're going to, to talk a bit more about the stadium side of things, which, as Ken King said on Friday, that the stadium has kind of been forgotten in all of this. Uh, and this all comes, of course, as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are playing in a shiny new stadium that everyone uh, who's been there has, has raved about. So where does that piece of the conversation need to go? Uh, anyway, our number here, 403-974-8255. We can talk a bit more about Arena Get in 2017, more as well about the uh, some of the other issues in this civic election campaign. And the question I asked earlier, getting a lot of text, what is Nenshi's legacy? What can Nenshi point to? Say, since you elected me seven years ago, here's what I've accomplished. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.